I would like to offer a formal apology to one Mr. Brad Fiorenza and one Mr. Abram Boise, who I hope never hear of nor see what CBS has done to balls in the game they created. Plus, Angela is Superwoman. No, like, Angela really is Superwoman? Like, for real. Even Danny mentions Angela being Superwoman more than he does Kiki this episode, so you know it's true. Benzo is definitely over. Tyson may very well be Jesus in disguise. And TJ is finally being honest with his assessments. It's the Challenge USA episode 10 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the challenge historian where we dive deep into all things the challenge past present or future if it's happening in the challenge universe then you bet your bottom dollar we are here to document it i am your host and dedicated challenge historian jacob hollaball thank you so very much for being here with me today on today's podcast we are discussing the penultimate episode of the challenge usa episode 10 who knew that it was the second to last week of the show I sure didn't. I definitely thought there was going to be 14 episodes. I don't know whether we want to count next week as two episodes or one. We found out that next week, supersized double episode, 11 and 12, mixed into one, call it 11, call it 12, call it whatever you want, but this was the second to last week, which means episode 10. There was already a lot to talk about, but now we're literally on the eve, the cusp of the final. We will break everything down from episode 10 here in a moment. It was... It was a good and interesting, mostly interesting, but also very good at the same time. There's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about it here in just a second. Couple programming notes before we do. First and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you who has listened to this week's first podcast, the 100th podcast on the Challenge Historian feed. That came out on Monday. We did something big and wild for that big wild round number of 100 episodes. We did 100 challenge takes. If you have not listened, head on back, dive on into that. It was biting off a bit more than I uh, could chew, to be honest with you. Didn't think it would be as hard as it was to come up with 100 different takes about the challenge. I ended up giving away all of my opinions. I thought I'd keep them small. I did not. The best of everything, the worst of everything else, it's all there. 100 challenge takes for the 100th podcast episode. And an even bigger thank you to those who submitted responses to that. I reached out to all of you on Instagram back on Saturday and Sunday. Barely any turnaround time for you, and that did not matter. You got so many great submissions and a lot of you are featured on that very podcast. So if you haven't listened, feel free to hop back, do that at your leisure, or if you're more of a video person yourself, those 100 takes are broken out into 10 different sets of 10 over on YouTube. So you can watch there. You can listen anywhere you listen. That was a big, fun, awesome project. Hope to do a bunch more cool things like it in the future. And speaking of the future as well, the other programming note to bring to you is this. 
if the podcast you're listening to right now and the rest of, hopefully the rest of the podcast you listen to right now is not quite enough Challenge USA episode 10 coverage for you, guess what? Special surprise. I will be covering it again with my good friend Paige of the Most Likely 2 podcast over on her Most Likely 2 podcast feed. If you haven't listened to Paige before, if you don't know who she is, I don't know. You must be stuck under a rock. The queen of challenge TikTok. You may remember her from this podcast where she came on to preview the Challenge USA season with me. She's got an amazing show, and I will be hopping on with her to discuss this episode of the Challenge USA and everything that's come before it. That'll be coming out later this week into the weekend. So if you need more and you're not already listening to Paige, which you probably should already be doing, head on over at Most Likely 2 on all the social feeds, at Most Likely 2 on all your podcast platforms. Hit follow. Make sure you give us a listen as we break it all down there as well. We'll be back next week on this podcast feed then with a couple uh, special player-centric podcasts and videos coming your way as well as obviously covering what will now be the final episode or two episodes at once, whatever it is, of the Challenge USA Wednesday night into Thursday morning. The week after then, we'll be diving back into the rewatch series. We got some guest co-hosts lined up to document all of these OG challenge seasons with me, so it's going to be a good time. Things are really kicking into gear here at the Challenge Historian. Thank you so much for listening. Let's dive in now to the Challenge USA Episode 10, kicking things off, as always, with our Cliff Notes recap. The algorithm bot remains dead, so this week's Cliff Notes recap just jumps right into it, just as the episode did. Here we go. Everything plot-wise, episode 10, Challenge USA, as fast as we can. Three, two, one, and we are off. Sarah says the Fab Five is over without cachet, but the three-way fist pump in the bathroom says otherwise. Meanwhile, guys gear up for the next and maybe last male elimination round. Ben is sad his buddy Enzo is on the other side of his new alliance. Tyson, Danny, and Dom know they are mostly counting on Angela as much as themselves, which she is very aware of too. Off to the daily challenge called Code Crossing. Use pegs to build a bridge across a peg wall on the side of a semi-truck. Place six pegs before you start. Carry the rest in your pockets. Get to the end of the semi, climb up top, hit a button to end your time. Maximum three minutes, whatever male gets the least far on the semi truck is going straight to elimination. Furthest along, male and female take the win. Tyson and David, they have to kick it all off. They have no idea how to handle the strategy, leading to misfires from both only getting maybe 20, 25% of the way across. It's very close. We don't know who got last between those two. As more people go, the strategy becomes a little more clear. Ben puts up clearly the best distance for the men. And then in the final heat, Angela cruises, not just for the women, but to the top of that semi, the only one to finish the best finish of the day. Ben and Angela gain power. Meanwhile, it's very close between Tyson and David, but it ends up being David that is last, and he is going into elimination. Back at the house, Ben, Angela, and David meet. He asks for Tyson or Dom. He leaves. Angela says it's Enzo. Ben says it can't be Enzo. That's his buddy. Benzo, don't you know? We literally don't know. You haven't shown us that editing crew. They are at a loss. The next day, Ben has come around. He tells Angela it can be Enzo after all. Whatever, Benzo. We don't even know about it. Who cares? Then they tell David and Enzo both about this, who do not take 
take the news well at all. David cites Big Brother, Enzo cites that he's better than Dom, and also stop protecting Jesus, aka Tyson. Emotions are high, higher than they've seen them at any point this season. We get to the arena, and it's a classic. Balls in, Enzo versus David, two friends and a headbanger to make the final five men and likely the final challenge, and... And everyone gets real tuckered out real quick. David scores in round two, and that seems like the only basket that's going to get scored as they both are tired, tired, tired the whole way through. Enzo takes a shot in round four, misses, but David doesn't go for the ball. He lets Enzo get it, put it in, ties it up, going into round five when David decides not to even take a step. Just shoots, misses, stands there, lets Enzo knock it out. Enzo's final turn, he gets tackled smartly, drops the ball by the goal, wins the wrestling match, puts the ball in, gets the win. David is gone. Enzo is more money than anyone not named Angela and we find out that next week is a double episode finale with one more female elim before the final 10 square off somewhere high up in the mountains in TJ's final where to begin this week I think we start where we've started a lot of the podcast this entire season there's only a few staple challenge rules that got to be followed a few obvious strategic moves that always follow almost the exact same cadence the exact same rules for when and when not to do them and this week Ben fucked up Ben fucked up he didn't take his shot he gets into power he's got a chance he should 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 they all should realize that this is the last elimination before the final whether they know that or not I do not know they are newer to the game. Obviously, myself and many of you listening have watched and listened to other players talk about the game for so very long that we know you got to be marking your little calendars in your bunk. You got to know they told us we would be done by this day. We're getting close to it. How many days is each round? That means this much time is left. That means they're probably taking 10 of us to the final. That means this is the last male elimination. Ben, this was your chance. You could have taken a shot at Tyson and you didn't. Except we also talked last week that the rules give all the power to the winner of the opposite gender. Last week, that was Danny. This week, that is Angela. Based on how they've set this game up, we talked at length last week. We don't have to rehash the whole thing. If you weren't listening then, feel free to go back first storyline we talked about because of the way this is paired up in the assumption within the house that if they were to disagree, if Ben and Angela were to go in and both say a different name, then the TJ would simply respond with, if you can't agree, Ben, you have to come down here. They can't audible to a women's elimination just like that. How would they do it they couldn't so Angela is in all the power there are no repercussions to her for possibly saying no I don't I guess maybe maybe TJ could be like if you can't agree Ben you're coming down now and Angela you're automatically into the next elimination but at least push them make them say that I guess but Angela's in all the power same as Danny was in all the power last week same as whichever guy wins the final Daily challenge next week will hold 100% of the power of who goes in the final women's elimination, at least the second person to go into that elimination. So Angela stands her ground. It's got to be Enzo. So Ben, you're off the hook. You didn't actually fuck up. I'm assuming this was made very clear to you, if not previously, knowing the moment you won that it doesn't matter. It's all in Angela's hands. If she wants it to be, she wanted it to be. It is. Enzo is going in. And also, might as well just say it, Tyson would have won 
which as much as David can say in a confessional that Tyson's weakness is a headbanger, a strength-based elimination, which yes, a man with that many talents, his weakness definitely certainly would be a headbanger elimination, except guess what? Uh, he would have whooped both of these people just because we've got to talk about it. Moving on to storyline number two. That is not how Balls In is meant to be played, my friends. Two weeks ago, I had a very real come-to-Jesus moment about Hall Brawl. Part of that moment was had on this very podcast, but it was a very soft approach to it. Then taken over the hump by listening to a Tyson on his podcast, as well as a few others, those eliminated that week, like Leo and a few different others, challengers, past and present, that spoke out about the fact that maybe Hall Brawl isn't the greatest thing in the world. I know, that's blasphemous for me to say. I'm the historian of the challenge, and I'm here trying to tell you that maybe Hall Brawl isn't great. It is. It's fantastic. I stand by what I said two weeks ago, that there should be a pay-per-view Hall Brawl event. I will pay for that because then people would willingly sign up for specifically that event. I've had these this turmoil, these thoughts about Hall Brawl. It almost never works out. Sometimes when it does, though, it's the greatest thing ever put on television, a la CJ vs. Zach. That is the Hall Brawl. I gave the best Hall Brawl moment on the 100 Challenge Takes for the 100th podcast episode. Last shameless plug. Go back and listen if you haven't already. But the way I'm starting to feel about Hall Brawl, that it, it, it only works. It's only awesome when the people playing it want to be playing it, and that's few and far between. I feel the exact opposite about Balls In. Balls In is the perfectly appropriate head banger for the challenge that anyone should have to be comfortable with to be on this show. If someone's going on this show and says, hey, if I get thrown in a hall brawl, I'm probably just going to say I'm not doing it. That seems crazy. I would be like, hey, that's going to stink for the show, but I understand where your head's at, literally trying to protect it. But balls in, not the case. This is the appropriate style head banger. You ain't running from 20 feet apart, running into each other. It's just physical. How much do you want it? A wrestling match with full pads and helmets. That's totally fine. That's totally awesome. Everyone should be totally prepared to do that if they are coming on this show. And... While I have enjoyed David and Enzo this season, from what I've seen, I believe both of them to be great people who I would legitimately love to hang out with. would have a beer with either of them, bet I'd have a good time. They seem like awesome dudes. And I wouldn't exactly be doing great in a balls-in elimination myself. If I was put in that situation, it might look somewhat similar to what it looked like from those two. But I say all that to say this. That ain't it. That is not how you play this game. That was, I'm going to stop short of using the word disgrace, although it just came out of my mouth, so I guess I've used it. Um, Brad and Abram are livid right now. Once upon a time, back in 2005, two gentlemen by the name of Brad and Abram stepped into the Inferno, the second edition of the Inferno, and played what would become one of the greatest challenge staple elimination games of all time, Balls In, for the first time and it was incredible. It was epic. And guess what? They played five rounds, and there was no stoppage time. They went at 
had it over, over, running into each other, yelling in each other's faces, tackling to the ground. It was amazing. If you want to see that right now, it's, what season is that, number 10? Yeah, it is on Paramount Plus right now. You can go watch it. I believe it's like episode six or seven. I don't know. It's also available via the highlight on my uh, Instagram page, Challenge Historian on Instagram, if you want to go watch it there because it's that epic. It was one of the best moments of that season, one of the best eliminations of all time. It also made an appearance in the 100 Challenge Takes for the 100th Challenge podcast episode, but I said I wouldn't mention that again, so I'm not gonna, but they created a legacy then in there. They started something, and now eh, this doesn't ruin it, but it was not what we would come to know and love. It is not you know, Brad and Abram are livid, but also Jemmy and LaToya are livid right now. Frank Sweeney is livid right now. Chet's chin is livid right now. Cara Maria and Laurel are livid right now. Johnny Bananas and Isaac are livid right now. Everyone who has played this game before is livid right now. It, I mean, just I, I just don't I just don't get it. I don't know how they were so tired so fast. I understand in a sporting event that your adrenaline can get so much, you can get so hyped up that you literally zap all of your own energy before it actually starts. That's what seems to have possibly happened here. There's no way, like, yeah, they might not be as in good of endurance athletes as Tyson is or something, but they were breathing deep from halfway through round one. The most one one twenty second David trying to score and they are both hands on their knees looking like they're gonna keel over. They had to have zapped all their energy, but how could they have done that? I get it if you get blindsided, you don't know. You think you're free and easy and then you get called out and suddenly three minutes after that's happened, you've got football pads on and you gotta play this game and your adrenaline's through the fucking roof. But they both knew all day long. If not, you know, David knew from multiple days. Enzo possibly knew for a full 24 hours. It seemed like maybe, possibly, it's hard to tell with the editing. They told him the day before. How did they get that jacked up, that zapped of energy, that unprepared to be able to do this? Um, it it's just, you know, it was it was both tough to watch. You know, this is one where they, they come into the screen, they show balls in, you know what it is. Me, as a longtime challenge fan who loves these headbangers so much and thought this was an appropriate matchup where both people are gonna, you know, be into it. They're appropriately sized versus each other. I'm not worried about like, oh, this is gonna be gross. You know, one of those where someone just runs over the other. I stand up. I literally stand up, push my seat back. I start pacing. I'm like, it's balls in, baby. This is gonna be epic. And then it's it's what we got. And uh, that's a bit of a bummer. Um, you know, I like that they added the new element. They should keep this forever. That if you do shoot it or lose the ball on the ground, it's not over till the ball's out. It used to be in many iterations before it that if you drop the ball at all, round is dead. That played a massive factor as Enzo gets his first basket via taking a shot. David, out of nowhere, just... For no reason deciding not to go after the ball, but instead to box out Enzo like that ball was going to bounce around or he had some teammate there to get the rebound. No, it's just sitting in the sand, my man. You got to go get it. He does not. And then Enzo in the final round after David inexplicably just takes a shot, stands still and says, well, if this doesn't go in, it's over, I guess. Um, it is over, I guess. Uh, but Enzo very smartly in the final round, at least the one saving grace of this for him and for the whole thing was that he had such an intelligent move to say, I'm going to run into David, let him kind of tackle me, 
but I'm going to drop the ball over there by the goal and make sure that as he tackles me, I go down on top. I'll win the wrestling match of top to bottom. We're both, we're both so tired here. As long as I end up on top, when we fall down, I'll be able to get up first, put the ball in, get this W. He does. He's headed to the final, as are the other four men left standing. David is heading home. Now, again, final thought on that. David Enzo, both. I love you. I would not have done any better. Probably this is no shots. It just is simply respect for the Brads and Abrams of the world, the Jemmys, Latoyas, Cara Maria, Laurels, Johnny, Frank, Isaac, everyone else that has played this game before, uh, that this wasn't it. Moving on, third and final thing, let's talk about the daily challenge. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely perfect. Loved, loved, loved this daily challenge. They've always got to bring the semis in, as they always should. Sometimes they come up with incredible, really fun, cool, interesting things. Sometimes it's, you know, not quite as good. It's a very hard job they do. And this time around, they get an A-plus for that job. Loved, loved, loved this daily challenge. Single exception. There's not much more to say. Just I loved it. I like the design. I would love to do it. Same as all of the great daily challenges before. This was a great daily challenge. Hats off to production for coming up, creating, and putting this one together. So let that be to the side. The single exception is this. I've mentioned him a lot, uh, so I apologize for continuing to mention him, but I have been fascinated and enthralled in listening to Tyson's uh, podcast recaps himself this whole season long and asking him questions in his group chat on Instagram and everything else. And uh, another thing he has talked about all week long that I, as a challenge-only fan until very recently, as a once-upon-a-time Survivor fan and now a recent Survivor reconvert. I'm not a convert. I used to watch every season reconvert, whatever it is. I love Survivor. Again, I'm all in. I've watched the last few seasons live. We'll be watching the new one, possibly recapping it here in the coming weeks. But one thing he has talked about over and over and over is he has kind of went against the grain on another challenge staple, which is the idea that the daily challenges going first is such a disadvantage. The later you go is advantageous. That is a staple of the challenge. That is par for the course. That is how this game is played. But in comparison, when he talks about comparing it to Survivor, where everything's always simultaneous, everything's always on it, is fair, 100% fair of a playing field as they can make it for every competitor to be doing the exact same thing at the exact same time. I, I hear the argument. I, I, I understand the argument. It's just factually true. One's way different than the other. And what I've come to realize is that maybe I would be okay. I'm coming around to the idea if... Going first didn't suck so much. If going first being that big of a detriment, if it was more balanced out, that that might be a good thing for the show with the asterisks that in the event, the way I would like to see this happen again, because I know this is going against a challenge staple that I myself have loved for years, is that if the order is going to be random, like on this season and many recent seasons it has been, then the game's just more random, and I don't I don't love that. I would love to see a more balanced version, but the way they could fix this without going to a pure balanced version, without doing something like this daily challenge, making them all go stand behind some wall and not watch each other, would be go back old school 
and give someone the power to pick the order. Gives either the last winner of the daily, the last elimination winner, somehow, someway pick someone that gets to pick the order, which then makes it much more interesting. There's gameplay, there's strategy, there's alliances at play, and that worked really, really well in the past, and that's the version of this challenge staple that I would like to see brought back a little, and that's the one I would like to see moving forward. I get it, it's different. Survivors, this thing, like, it's clear playing field, as fair playing field as possible. That's never been the challenges game, and I haven't fully come around to the idea that it should be. I don't think it should be at all, but I do... By the argument, I hear the argument, it makes me long for the days of old where this advantage and disadvantage wasn't doled out so randomly. Give the, someone the power to do this. Preferably, I would go all the way with, give it to the elimination winner, not the daily challenge winner. Then the daily challenge winner is doubled up on power. That doesn't always work. There's a couple seasons in the past where it just turned into one or two teams or partners was just running the thing the whole time because they had all this power. No one could ever get caught back up because going first was such a disadvantage. So give it to the one going into elimination. Let the ones who are doing the worst the week before have some power to do better the next week. That's how I'd like to see it happen going forward. Let's hand out some awards. We've got best quote, best moment, episode MVP. Let's start with the best quote of the week. Three nominees, one clear winner, but we've got to talk about all of the nominees. The first one is from Danny, who let's just go ahead and hear it from him first. In my daily life, I do not put myself at risk. So everything I've done here on the challenge is out of my norm. Am I excited to do it? Yes. Am I scared? Hell yes. Kiki would tell me, you better go out there and kill it. I like that he gets, as always, Kiki reference. Got to keep that Kiki counter going and dropping that. Obviously, Kiki would, you know, quote her your, her guy, TJ, and say, you killed it. But the thing I'm focused on here, Danny says he doesn't put himself at risk in his normal life. Bro, you played in the NFL for like six years. Football's dangerous. What do you mean you didn't put yourself at risk? You put yourself at risk every day of your life in, until very recently, until a couple of years ago, whenever you retired from the NFL. And I applaud you for it. You are a badass. You were absolutely excellent in the top, 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 top point zero 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 one percent of this game that so many people grow up playing and wishing to play at the highest level like you did. But they all know, as you know, that that game comes with risk. So to say that he didn't put himself in risk in his normal life, I just, I just really, really love that. Maybe this is a, he only single, you know, he only means since he got out of the NFL, he has eliminated all risk from his life. And now the challenge is bringing it back in. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask him about that sometime in the future. Second nominee then is Enzo, as is the third nominee. The second nominee is just because your boy's a big Spider-Man fan over here. And he referenced that he had to get his Peter Parker on for his nephew while climbing across those peg walls. And in an episode devoid of many great quotes, this one gets nominated. I want to do this for my daughter. She loves Spider-Man. So I got to get my Peter Parker senses out. But the Enzo quote that takes the award for the week, obviously far and away the best of the evening, is that when he is talking about how soft all those other guys in the house, specifically at this part, the other half of Benzo, Ben is, take it away, Enzo. 
He's getting manipulated. It is what it is. He's getting played out. It, it is what it is. All these guys are big, bad, and tough, but when it comes down to it, you know, they're, they're soft like a Twinkie feeling in the middle. So it is what it is. Why does he want to put me in now? Fantastic stuff from him this episode. I really enjoy, uh, uh, you know, Upset Enzo is a very enjoyable man. We hadn't got a lot from him this season. I like that he flat out admitted to being fake on Big Brother to not have to be himself. But uh, I, I enjoyed everything we got from Enzo as far as all the shit talking and how he took. He was the appropriate amount of upset and angry and shit talking for getting thrown in against your good buddy in the house. I think it was exactly appropriate amount of that from him. On to the best moment. Four of them. First one, shout out to Ben, who pauses and makes sure to say TJ's final during his confessional talking about maybe making the final. He literally, you can see it in his head, think, oh, wait, shoot, I'm about to say final. I've got to say TJ's final. We have no clue what this final is going to be, whether it's going to be partners or individual or maybe a little bit of both. Angela wants to put the strongest males and females at the end. So if we get partnered up with them in TJ's final, we have a better shot of finishing. So I have to start thinking about that as well because we have no clue what's coming. Second nominee for the best moment that TJ telling Alyssa and Sarah that they did really bad at picking spots. TJ, 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 he was he was letting his opinions be known on this one, as is obvious by the fact that this is not only the second nominee for Best Moment, but the third and fourth also are related to TJ sharing his opinions. We'll skip to the fourth nominee chronologically because the third one's the winner. The fourth one is TJ at the end of the episode telling Enzo that it's good he's good at eliminations because he sucks at challenges, which is hilarious and awesome but the winner of the best moment of the episode is both the combined the elongated moment of Angela getting to the end of the daily challenge going up pressing the button being proud of herself Desi being proud of her and then TJ laying it on thick all right great challenge today everyone good job I was talking to Angela (laughs) Angela dominating performance, completely killing everyone. Congratulations. You're the only one that pops smoke. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. The effort that you gave was second to none. Congratulations. You are the winner. It's so perfect that that is the moment of the episode for me. One, because Angela's just been kicking ass all season long. And while she has been shining very, very bright, uh, it's always been, you know, with a partner or the storyline is who she's throwing in or whatever. I feel like this episode, we got a much better. Let's appreciate Angela here, not just in this moment, but in many moments throughout the episode. And I think that was more than deserved, which leads me to the episode MVP, because after that display in Balls In, I'm sorry, David and Enzo, you're not allowed to be nominated. You were removed from the ballot. Ben also removed from the ballot. It, this this turns into, we're not even giving you a top five. There's only 12 people left anyways. We're giving you a top two, and one of those isn't even one of the cast members. It's TJ himself. TJ gets second for his amazing performance. I love all season long. I have commented over and over and over the first episode, the second episode, I think the fourth episode, the sixth one. There's been so many moments this season where he's gone out of his way to heap what seems like pretty exaggerated praise on people, you know, telling them how proud he was of them the very first daily challenge that they all killed it when it's like, no, one of them almost passed out going up 20 flights of steps. Like, come on, TJ, you can't just ruin the 
you know, the impact of you killed it with this. He's been doing that all season long. And in the last episode or two, and it culminated in this one, he started to be a little more honest with his opinions. He was still heaping praise, but also sliding in those little jabs on the side like he did with Enjo, having a bunch of fun, clearly feeling more comfortable to be himself, which is an incredibly generous and kind man with his thoughts. But also, he's known to kind of bust you a little while giving you those compliments. I loved everything from TJ this episode. He comes in second. Coming in first is Angela. Angela, Angela, Angela. Superwoman herself. There could be no other MVP for this episode. She had the best confession. Professionals. She obviously destroyed every single other person there in the daily challenge. She held her ground, asserted that power that she clearly knew and was one of the ones that obviously understands that she had. She made the right alliance choices from day one in this house and they continue to pay off in spades and she continues to pay them off to others in spades and on top of all of that that she did for herself, that last little part matters because there was a part of me halfway through this episode that thought Tyson's going into elimination and that somehow he's going to go home and it's not going to feel right if he doesn't win this whole thing. And Angela saved his ass yet again. So she even provides us that for next week that Tyson's still here too. Angela, far and away the episode MVP, making a strong case for season MVP. We will have to decide that here quite soon because the the season, again, is over next week. So let's talk a little bit more about the future. Let's talk power rankings and predictions for next week's final. We're headed into the final. First, we've got one more daily, a nighttime daily, we find out from the... Uh, next week on. Sorry if you didn't watch that and didn't want to hear. That's not really that big of a spoiler, I hope. Um, But nighttime daily, those are always interesting and fun. And then one more women's elimination to get it down to five women, five men for a final in what we see somewhere in the mountains. It seems like, I mean, Argentina's got mountains. Maybe they're not moving locations, just going a little bit higher up in altitude. Maybe they are moving full-blown locations. We shall see. But they're going up in the snow-capped mountains that is for sure power rankings heading into next week this is officially who i believe will win this show next week and not a lot of change from the last couple of weeks or from some of the predictions we've made all season long on the women's side uh we'll just we'll lump in predictions with power rankings here if i had to predict who goes home next week who is the final person eliminated from this season the challenge usa I'm going to say that it is Kayla. I'm going to say that one way or the other, Angela and Alyssa, they ain't getting last. One of the guys, any of the guys, unless Enzo somehow out of nowhere wins the last daily challenge, which I guess could happen. Whichever of the guys wins is going to obviously, they're working with Angela and Alyssa. Those two are safe. They're going to the final. That means we're talking Desi, Alyssa, Sarah, and Kayla. Of those four women, I'm taking Kayla to probably get thrown in as the lone amazing racer left in the game and having less ties than maybe a Justine does from winning with some of these guys previously. I'm going Kayla gets eliminated next week, which means my top five going into the final, power ranking their chances of winning. Angela, number one. Desi, number two. Alyssa, number three. Justine, number four. Sarah, number five. And I've got to say, the more I've thought about it, I'm a little more, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited and anticipating this women's final. I think Angela is the clear runaway favorite, deservedly so, but 
Unlike the male side, which we're going to talk about momentarily, I think the women's side is very interesting. If you told me Sarah won, who I just put at fifth, I would be surprised, but certainly not shocked. I, she, she has a shot, as does Justine, as certainly does Alyssa, as absolutely does Desi, the most wonderful woman in the world, outside of Superwoman Angela, who I do think is the deserved favorite, but it's going to be a very interesting and close race. It's a very competitive final five on the female side. Not so much on the men's side. I got Tyson 1, Danny 2, Ben 3, Dom 4, Enzo 5, and I don't think there's a shot in hell that anyone beats Tyson in this final with the exception of maybe, maybe Danny. I've gotten, you know, I've I've said a few times on this pod and on a few Instagram comments on some recent posts that I maybe didn't think Danny had the endurance necessary for this and not shots just in comparative to Tyson. And that was mostly because he's been out of the NFL for a couple of years. And the NFL is a different kind of endurance than the just running 20 miles. It's an incredible kind of endurance. And again, he was a world-class, world, tippy-top world-class athlete for sure. But I'm, I, I've got to at least see him run You know, all these miles up these mountains. Plus, he's a bigger dude. Everything about this final just screams Tyson's going to run away with it. Um, I give Danny a shot. I give Ben a little bit of a shot. Dom and Enzo, I'm sorry. You ain't climbing that mountain faster than Tyson. It just it just doesn't happen. They can put any puzzle out there. They can make Tyson eat five times as much food. It's just not going to happen. So that's your power rankings, your predictions. Again, Kayla is going to be the last woman to go home. Tyson and Angela are going to win. And I stick by what I said a few weeks back when I predicted Tyson and Angela would for sure win. I also said Tyson won't show up for the global tournament. I can't wait to find out if he does win next week so that we can start to find out if, in fact, he would refuse to go do another one of these because from everything we've heard from him this season, he's not super psyched about doing another season of the challenge if he was asked to or possibly contractually obligated to. So that just, out of nowhere, just a new prediction came to me. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. Let's go super far in the future, way past this final. Let's say... Tyson wins this final. Let's say Tyson then tries to refuse to go to the global tournament, but they tell him, hey, Damon, you signed a contract. You won. Now you've got to go to this next one. Here's your prediction for the War of the Worlds global tournament, whatever they end up calling it. Tyson will be there and be the first male eliminated by his own choice to try to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. There you go. That's the furthest future prediction I have ever made in the history of this show. We're into the second hundred episodes episodes of the challenge historian we're breaking new ground we're making all kinds of wild and crazy predictions with that we've covered everything for now challenge usa episode 10 again i will be over on the most likely to podcast feed if you want more about this episode and everything leading up to it if you want more of a preview for the finale next week hop on over follow page at most likely to any podcast platform you like i will be with her there this week we i don't know when she posted i think sometimes it's fridays maybe saturdays just go follow her if you don't already which you probably do but if you don't follow then you won't miss it i'll be back next week with a very special new podcast concept player centric specific concept plus obviously covering the finale next wednesday night thank you so much for being here so much for listening dm me at challenge historian on instagram if you want to chat challenge any old time of the week or if you've got some feedback from me and this here podcast much love to all of you i'll talk to you again soon peace